Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. My name is Joe, and in the house today, continuing our retrospective on the year of 2021, this time discussing the three most disappointing movies of 2021, but also our three biggest surprises of 2021. And joining me today, a prior guest, someone who's been on the podcast several times, Mr. Nate Spencer. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing doing pretty fantastic, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Now, 2021 has wrapped up. We're officially in 2022. Uh, before we jump into our three biggest disappointments and three biggest surprises, yeah. uh, your thoughts on 2021 as a year, a good year, a bad year, a so-so year? How did you feel about movies in 2021? Yeah, um, as a whole, honestly, I think 2021 was one of the better years in like the past 10 years could stack up against some of the best from 2010 for sure. Yeah, There's totally a agree. lot of a lot of fantastic films that I really love. Some that'll probably make my all-time list, um, you Ooh. know, with repeat viewings. Um, I mean, there's just a lot to love. There's definitely some stinkers too. Uh, some that I really hated. Some, as we're going to talk about, disappointments. But on the whole, it really kind of felt like movies were back, you know, in a way. The only thing that kind of held it back for me from being like a all-timer movie year was that a majority of these movies were like really hard to see unless yeah, you know how yeah. to see them. Um, Don't worry about it. That's the only downside, I think, is that obviously COVID is still a, a huge problem. But then on top of that, a lot of these distributions are delayed and staggered and it just not making a lot of sense for many people to see them. I'm glad uh, you, you also felt that 2021 was a pretty primo year. Cause I thought, looking back at all these movies, just looking at my list, I was like, there's a lot of great stuff here that I feel like people will maybe just forget how great 2021 was. Because Yeah, for real. Although the pandemic isn't over, I don't want to say that it is because it's far from it. Um, mm-hmm. There was a time in 2021 where it kind of felt like it was, or it kind of felt like things were returning to normalcy. But I think... When people think back at 2020 and 2021, it'll just be lumped in with like the COVID years. You know, I think in like 2029 or 2030, when we look back at these times, we're going to just think like, oh, COVID was going on. So 2020 and 2021 must have sucked. And while 2020 was rough because of COVID and was pretty bad and a lot of things got delayed, I think 2021 did a good job kind of like bouncing back and delivering a lot of the things that we maybe missed in 2020. Most definitely. Um, so I, I hope that in, in 10 years from now, we remember how great this year is. Luckily, with technology, it'll be easy to to check and go back and look. Um, but I do love that this year felt like a pretty good year, even if there wasn't like a raging uh, pandemic. It was a, a pretty solid year for some great movies. Um, yeah, but like you said, man. some stinkers. Every year has some. This year was not uh, new to that. And as I mentioned... We were talking about three movies that disappointed us and three movies that surprised us. How hard did you find making this list? Was it easy for you to pick the three for disappointing and surprising? Did you have a hard time choosing the three? Uh, it was pretty easy to pick um, my top two disappointed. That I like, I could look, I could know that without even looking at the, all the <laughs> movies I've seen this year. Um, okay. Like I just knew it immediately. Uh, the third one was kind of hard because for a lot of the movies I saw, I had my expectations met either good or bad and then i will say for surprises it was a little hard just because i think i am so plugged into the film going like 
culture, not to sound pretentious, but like I follow, you know, a bunch of different, I follow y'all's podcasts, a bunch of different podcasts and Twitter accounts and yeah, you know, yeah. I the New Yorker totally. I follow, like I subscribe to the New Yorkers. So like I just read a lot of stuff. And so for some films, like my expectations were met because I was expecting greatness or something really not good. <laughs> okay. But okay. I definitely, I definitely got a list here um, that I'm pretty happy with for surprises for sure. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I think. I, got, I mean, you and I, a lot takes. of people. Oh, I, I'm. I already know. I think I know when it's going to come up that will like blow a lot of people's socks off. So we'll, <laughs> we'll wait to get there for sure. But, yeah, for sure. You know, I think you and I, many people who are anybody who's like really semi into film, are typically pretty plugged into the community in some form or fashion, whether that be Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or subscribing to the New Yorker or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit harder to be surprised sometimes because you have a set expectation that typically aligns with you know a lot of the general public. But I'm really excited today because I'm talking about th- well, I'm talking about all these movies. I have really haven't had time to discuss with really anybody. Um, and the three surprises I really excited just to talk about because I know one of them I think you will love. <laughs> and I think it's important to clarify before we jump into the episode for everybody listening. We're not talking about the three worst movies of the year. Uh, no, just not three at movies all. that disappointed us, you know, maybe didn't live up to our expectations. Maybe not the worst movies of the year. You may like them. That's perfectly fine. There's movies that didn't live up to our expectations. Um, so, like, no red notices on this list. I never expected that to be good. And guess what? It wasn't good. So, yeah, guess what? It's like the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not on this <laughs> list. Uh, so, it's, yeah, same with He's All That, not on this list. But these are just movies that I was like really hyped to go see. Oh, gosh. And um, I just, you know, just didn't like live up to that hype for me. And that for sure. apply to you as well. So, what we'll do is we'll start with the disappointing, we'll go through the three of those, and then we'll pick it up and have a, a happy podcast and end it on a happy okay. note with the three movies that surprised us the most. For sure. So as the guest of Honor Nate, let's start us off. What's the, I mean, it doesn't have to be ranked. Let's just talk, what's one of the movies that disappointed you in 2021? For sure. Um, I'll save my hottest take for last, but okay, um, this first one, and this is, uh, I chose this one because I think it fits into what you're talking about. Is like, doesn't mean this is the worst like list or whatever. It just means something that disappointed us. And yep. this is a film that I actually like. And I did enjoy it. Um, I just did not. It did not live up to what I expected it to be. Slash, like it just didn't hit me emotionally like I thought it was going for. Uh, which is "Come On, Come On" by Mike Mills. Oh, um, wow, interesting. Now, okay. Again, I like this film. Okay. Um, I think it's well made, but I really find that it just meanders really off focus um i really could not tell really like what this was going for i'm a huge fan of 20th century women um i think that's one of the most underrated films of the past or of the 2010s i was really affected by that and there are definitely parts of come on come on that really got me the ending literally the ending scene of joaquin phoenix um his recording to the kid in the movie um really got me (laughs) not yeah same. Not gonna lie, but for the most part, I just was kind of uninterested. Um, okay. I, I really just—it was so disjointed with its narrative, constantly cutting back and forth between the interviews with real kids and then the melodramatic story going on. It felt—it uh, didn't feel cohesive because I, I liked both elements. It's just when you combine the two, I was like, okay, what is what really is this going for? And it just, it left me a little cold, even though I thought the ending was 
so emotionally powerful. Um, and the performances were good. Like I said, this is a good movie. It's just I didn't, I wasn't blown away by it like um, I kind of expected to. And expect from Mike Mills, who's a fantastic filmmaker. Got it. Okay. So, Come On, Come On, a movie that I liked a lot. So I, this is going to be a, an episode of, I think, a couple different uh, differing opinions, which makes for a great conversation. So it's perfectly okay. We don't have to agree on everything. <laughs> yeah. um, I did love Come On, Come On a lot. and I, But I understand completely where you're coming from in terms of the kind of disjointed narrative that jumps around a lot. Um, I think what I like about it the most is just it feels really honest at times. Just like sure. the honesty behind being a parent and or being like even like a pseudo parent like an uncle and like Mm. having a kid is is hard sometimes and sometimes kids are really annoying to be honest i mean there are times where woody norman's character is uh, is pretty annoying it's like hard to like watch him sometimes because you just want to like want him to stop you know being annoying yeah um and i think the honesty behind like just that kind of relationship and the relationship with you know family brother and sister is really really great to see where it's just sometimes we don't get to see like that, that the honesty behind it. But I, I totally understand. I totally get it. I think I may have mentioned this somewhere, but I don't know where. I, I'm a huge 20th century women fan. I still think mm-hmm. that's like the tour de force Mike Mills movie where it's just like I I adore that movie. This movie isn't as good as that, but I, I still I still liked it a lot. But I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, and I feel kinda to my view of come on come on was colored by seeing the last daughter first maggie gyllenhaal's debut which Mm. really deals with almost the exact same themes but from a totally different viewpoint yes Um, okay the lost daughter is more on that yeah more on that okay i'll save i'll save any thoughts for if that let's let's say yeah let's save lost daughter thoughts for later because it might it might come up aka i got you probably will um so yeah, I, I I totally agree with you though in terms of those themes of parenthood, in terms mm-hmm. of its honesty and uh, maybe this harsh reality of it. So, woo. okay, I'm excited to talk <laughs> about that later. Now, okay, so come on, come on for you is one. I, I'm going to start us off with one. I think that you will probably agree with, and it might be on your list. Okay, but I'm going to go. Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho was a movie oh, man. that, oh. I, I if you would have asked me the beginning of 2021 what are your top 10 favorite or most excited movies you know for 2021 last it was night, on so there for me probably would have been on that list yeah. um I don't remember if I put it if I made a list or not but if I did it would be on there and boy I really did not like this movie I and I wanted to so badly I left the theater like really confused and like was it good was it bad I couldn't really put my finger on it and then the more i thought about it the more i like just sat there and digested it the more i was like wow what happened because it just yeah man it just wasn't, oh. wasn't good and edgar wright you know somebody who's given us like four or five movies that have been all pretty excellent like i mean the worst before this you could argue was uh at the world's end which is not even bad this was just, like miles and miles worse than anything he's done and I just, I still like have trouble figuring it out. I, I've come to the conclusion the second half of this movie is is basically just a cluster of nothingness. It's that completely seem unintelligible. It it just like it feels like a different person wrote it, um, and they just like didn't talk. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's really hard to like put my finger on it. But I I like the aesthetics. It's it's cool visually. Looks great. Music is fun. Has a great vibe to it, and uh, I love the actresses in it i love thomas mckenzie and i love anya Taylor i know Joy. 
and it just doesn't work at the end. And I, I just help me figure it out, Nate. What is it? What happened? Well, this is perfect segue because it's my number two. Um, oh, okay. I knew I, I had also... a feeling, and I was like, I'm I'm really glad we're gonna talk about this because I haven't had a chance to talk about it with anybody. No, I know it's um, man, it, it really feels like he's caught between wanting to tell an original story and then paying homage to the Jalo genre, which I am a huge fan of. So. When I hear Edgar Wright Jalo, I'm like, will this be the best movie of all time? Um, <laughs> and while obviously that, you know, I wasn't actually expecting that, I was expecting to at least enjoy myself and I wanted to just stop watching multiple times. Yeah. I wanted to leave. The filmmaking is so incessantly just juvenile and terrible. Like, like I, I say that with all respect to Edgar Wright, who is a filmmaker I really love. I don't know what he was doing with this. Um, the messaging in the film is so confused. Uh, I really don't know what he's trying to say about trauma, given the twist ending to this, which yeah. I won't go into. Um, but it left me feeling kind of gross and kind of being like, um, what were you trying to say here, man? Yeah, this seems like a very classic. I mean, I've read a lot of reviews and I've talked to a lot of people. It feels like a classic, like man who doesn't know how to write a woman scenario where it's like, oh my god yeah like i get it's he's bad. trying to like really highlight a message that's really important and should be highlighted sometimes and and discussed but, but he like, sure doesn't know how to do that <laughs> it, yeah it just seems like you're not the right person to really do it or you don't really yeah. know how to do it because it just doesn't i mean do we want to get work. into spoilers or did this did come oh, go out for like it. april let's 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 do spoilers you know it's 2022 if you hear a movie that we're talking about and you haven't seen it skip like sure I don't know, two minutes in, we're, we'll, we'll talk spoilers. All right, I have a, I'm not going to go on too long of a rant here, but I guess also trigger content warning for this topic uh, yep, because he tries to take something really serious and really, you know, traumatic and do something with it. And I just kind of was pretty eh, on it. Um, the main character of the film, or at least the main flashback character, Ani Taylor-Joyce, is uh, a rape victim. And we see her abused like dozens of times, which I already felt was uh extreme especially considering that a like young girl is supposed to be watching this like freshman in college and like reliving this vicariously through her visions but then also making the gotcha reveal of the villain of the movie and the killer of the movie be the woman um that is being abused and that the final scene of the film is all the men she killed her abusers begging to like be set free please help us and that's yeah. what happens i was like what now i'm not saying that you know you sh the message should be kill abusers i'm not saying you have to just like kill people as a solution but i i genuinely don't know what he was trying to say because same that's, that's a point it just feels so confused like yes sexual assault and rape is awful and what happened to her was awful. That's made very clear, and no one's really arguing against that. But like yeah. the, the ending is definitely like I don't know what it, exactly what your final message is here trying to. Yeah, trying because to it's exactly. I, I get maybe like oh trying to say that like you know trauma can make you know monsters can make a monster, but making trying to garner sympathy for the people that she killed, knowing and having seen countless times the like egregious evil that they've done is it just doesn't mesh 
And then you have like a Return of the Jedi Anakin Skywalker Force Ghost moment at the end of like after <laughs> the old Anya Taylor Joy yes, dies. Right. I forgot about that already. We see her quote unquote back when she was good last, which was when she was young. But it's like no, she did like a heroic moment at the end when she was old. So why are we seeing the young version of like it? It's beyond just totally beyond me. Yeah, and then on top of that, it's a total pastiche of Jalos. It doesn't do anything new uh, or even really get why the visuals of a giallo work like it just has bright lights and like weird camera editing and fast paced all that stuff thinking that that makes a giallo but it's more about the mood and it totally misunderstands yeah what a giallo is well said well said i mean we both had it on our list you had it number two uh, i had number three not really ranking these i guess if i were to rank them i would still put it at three but yeah, it was a movie that I just like I couldn't believe how much I disliked it and like I tried really hard to love it. I tried to tell myself, "Hey, yeah. this isn't that bad." And and then I just kept reading more and more about how good bad it was. And I was like, "Yeah, this is just not good. Too bad." I mean, hey, not everybody can have a perfect filmography. Uh, nope. doesn't mean Edgar Wright is a bad director, you know, not not yet at least. So, if he has four more of these, um then maybe we'll have a conversation of what happened, but you know, just one. He'll, he'll yeah. bounce back, so I'll, I'm going to stick on the positive side on this. For sure. Well, if that's your number two, I guess I'll go again since I don't want you to spoil your most disappointing yeah, movie. Yeah, go year. ahead. Go ahead. A movie I think you maybe agree with. I don't I don't remember. I think you might not like this, but I can't remember. But my second most disappointing movie of the year, another horror movie, and it's actually going to be Halloween Kills. Mm, mm. This was a movie, again, I walked in like, oh, I loved Halloween 2018. It was like, so into the franchise again like excited for where it was going thought halloween 2018 was just smart and exactly what the franchise needed and then i went into halloween kills i was like takes like three steps backwards and everybody seems to just make really bad decisions and i get it's a horror movie you know you kind of expect the cast or the the characters of the movie to make questionable decisions but i feel like horror has evolved enough to where they kind of moved away from that. Like, hey, audiences are smarter than this. Let's make a smart horror movie where decisions are made are probably the right decisions or at least smarter mm-hmm. decisions. And Halloween Kills kind of just moves away from that. And then they have this whole weird... Evil dies tonight, Joe. Evil oh, dies my tonight. God. The amount of times they say evil dies tonight makes me want to just, like, die myself because it is yeah. so cringy. And they attempt this, like, really out of nowhere message on mob mentality which like comes completely out of left field and like feels just half-baked and not really thought through and i don't really sure what's going on with it you know what like it was so goofy and so bad and just i mean the the shots in this like i don't know what type of style david gordon green was going for but he's like you know what i don't want to emulate carpenter anymore i'm gonna do my own thing (laughs) and by own thing i'm gonna be drunk on set and have like weird dutch angles extreme close-ups with faces in the extreme right or left of the frame with nothing going on in the dead space i don't i don't know anthony michael hall thought he was getting an oscar for this i guess because that man (laughs) is hamming it up holy crap here's to the survivors of halloween 1978 (laughs) cheers it's like dude this man just monologued for 10 minutes straight in a michael myers halloween movie i I just want to uh, see like him kill some people. <laughs> I know. How did you feel about Halloween 2018? I liked it. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like amazing or anything, but in terms of 
being a sequel, a spiritual, you know, not a spiritual sequel, being a sequel to Carpenter and emulating his style, getting him back for the score. I mean, I, I thought it was about as good as you could make a retcon Halloween sequel, which was like the third time that's happened. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, they make a joke about the confusing timelines in that one, which I actually thought was a nice wink. And I enjoyed it. I, I prefer two, three and four to it. It's about as good as H2O Halloween, the, the first <laughs> reboot with Jamie Lee Curtis that only that retcons the Thorn trilogy. Yeah, um, it's about as good as that one. Although that one is more so nostalgia why I like it than anything. Got it. Got it. But yeah, I know they're making a third one, and I'm just kind of like, I know. Re- well, now, really, now this I'm very one. Yeah, this one feels like okay. We said we'd do a trilogy, but really, it doesn't make sense as a trilogy. So just find something to do until the third one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean they. Did a good job essentially taking Laurie out of the entire movie, which also an interesting decision to make to take the, you know, the most iconic and important character of the entire franchise besides the said killer and just like, let's throw her in the hospital and have her just hang out there the entire movie and like, we'll switch to her once in a while and, you know, keep up with her. It's like, that would be fine if what was going on outside of her was interesting. But yeah, it exactly. Could but it, not be less interesting. And I think it almost it almost recognizes it's not, which is why sometimes like we just we go back to her for longer than we probably need. Like her her whole like moments with um, the police officer and I forget the actor's name. I just remember the Titans guys is, is what I have in my brain. Um, <laughs> Will Patton. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Will Patton. Yeah. Um, I feel like it goes back to like moments with him, and they're like having this like heart to heart. Just feels like super out of left field as well like doesn't yeah, really fit in the uh, movie yeah questionable decisions all around the killing of uh of her daughter is also an interesting choice yeah and like i saw that the blu-ray has an alternate ending which makes oh, me shit. wonder as what that is like does she not die in the alternate ending because if so you probably shouldn't i thought she was a great great like uh not replacement but like kind of person to take over well was it actually perfect. does comment the first one has some interesting dialogue on how trauma is passed down you know yeah yeah just killing her off after reintroducing michael's like well why in the hell did you spend all that time discussing the how trauma is hereditary because she just gets killed in a totally unceremonious cliffhanger way and michael's still alive after getting shot i mean the abuse he goes through in this is like next level how (laughs) is he alive stuff i don't know exactly what origin they're going with him if he's like because in one of the movies he's it's confirmed like he what he's like made a deal with something like the devil basically or he's like not yeah it's the thorn trilogy that he's uh a spawn of like satan essentially and is controlled by a cult now okay i have a soft spot for those i like the fourth one unironically and then (laughs) five is terrible but is fun and then six is so just in your face like we're going for it that i respect it um and i prefer it to halloween ends because i honestly can't tell if halloween kills his camp or not like they didn't advertise it as that and then after it came out and people were like it's bad they're like well it's camp it's like uh i don't know it's always like that's like a default go-to excuse like oh no it's not bad it's camp it's supposed to be like that i'm like for "Uh, sure it's not you can't use that for everything 
Like yeah. it works like for House some of movies. Gucci, they were telling me it was going to be camp, and that's exactly what I got. So I expected camp, and I got camp. But like okay. Halloween ends are like it's gritty, brutal Michael Myers stuff, and it's like oh Michael Myers is John Wick, but also mob <laughs> stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of was. I mean, the door scene with the gun was pretty was kind of cool, and I was like caught off oh guard by God. it. But- the fireman yeah. scene was kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of cool. I, I can't deny that. Yeah, there's but, some. I mean, like, I don't like hate this movie. There were some moments I liked to it, and I sure. liked those the the kills and things like that. The brutality of it was was fun to see. But like overall, I just felt like it was a, a big step backwards. And I'm now I'm totally like, agree. What is Halloween ends going to be like? I don't. I don't even know anymore. Well, that it do go, be ending. Uh, <laughs> so we think, you know, give it ten yeah. more years and see who picks up the mantle at that point. But all right. Whoever needs a paycheck. Exactly, exactly. So I've talked about Last Night in Soho and Halloween Kills. Um, you talked about Come On, Come On, and also Last Night in Soho. So those are two of yours. Yeah. What is your third pick? Or maybe your most disappointing movie of the year? Yeah, my most disappointing of the year and genuinely one of my least favorite films um, of recent memory is Spider-Man No Way Home. All right, and this isn't a joke. Um, People are listening. This I don't. This is not a joke. Nate sincerely. Look, not and I've already been accused of just being hot take guy. You're trying to get attention, and it's like no, I'm I'm legitimately not. I'm a huge fan of Spider Man. Um, before recording the pod, I was literally playing Spider Man Miles Morales. Perfect. Um, I collect the comics. I've loved the character my whole life, and I'm a I'm, I I've really enjoyed uh, Homecoming and Far From Home both of which were loved when they came out and now people don't like them for reasons honestly I I don't understand. To me Spider-Man No Way Home is like heading to a favorite restaurant in your hometown after you've been away a long time, you order your favorite meal and then you find that the place has changed ownership and chefs. Like the original look of it is totally gone, it's replaced with like smooth corporate textures. Everything's color drained. Um, and instead of like local high quality ingredients, it's essentially as processed and sterile as any fast food place. And to me, like this concluding one is like nothing but carbs. It is a constant barrage of, hey, do you remember that line? Do you remember them do that thing? Do you remember this moment? Well, cool. We're going to do it again, except it looks worse <laughs> than it looked before. It's not as funny as before because it's just telling the same joke you told to me last week and it's just nostalgia served up on a plastic buffet platter and they're just like hey hope there's enough here to please everybody and look it seems that it pleases about 99.9 percent of people and that's all they want and you know what more power to everyone that liked the movie i don't have any hard feelings against that but this is an insulting movie to me like on an intellectual level i, I genuinely like it is so base level in terms of what it offers viewers that it I my theater experience was horrible. First off, the AC was off when I saw it. So maybe Ooh, maybe I was even and right it was here. 75 degrees in December, which says more about my <laughs> theater than anything. But still, I just I was it was a bad theater experience. I'm getting kind of annoyed even talking about it. But <laughs> so here's what I'll say about Spider-Man No Way Home. I enjoyed it, and that's not to say this movie is is flawless. It it has definite flaws, and it definitely has issues. 
And if you're out there saying like it's perfect, sure, you may think that. And it, I just don't think it is. I think it definitely has flaws and moments where I'm like some bad decisions were made. The weaponization, I guess, of nostalgia is something I feel like we've seen a lot this year. And yeah. it's my kind of fear that we're going to be seeing a lot of in the future. It just it, it almost like it's kind of scary. I don't want to see uh, a Ghostbusters Afterlife in 2022 or 2023, a movie that like, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fine. Yeah, but really just does nothing except takes your nostalgia and says, hey, we know you love this when it came out. Let me show it to you again and use your nostalgia to make a lot of money. Yeah. And that's kind of like what Spider-Man No Way Home does. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like it doesn't really, you know, the MCU is a universe. A mo- I, I, hey, you and I both watch all of the movies. I yep. know there are some movies we really love other movies we don't like. Totally agree. Um, in the grand scheme of things, like. Some things are important to the universe, obviously, but like it was just, hey, we love your nostalgia. We know you love these characters. We know you love Toby and Andrew. So here's our way of uh, making sure we make money off that. That being said, yeah, I I, I enjoyed watching that happen. I'm a sucker <laughs> yeah, for it, and, and they got me. They got me. Like I I'm a victim to their their ways, and they 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 worked. They profited off my money. Um, I didn't go see it more than once. Uh, I, I actually I typically don't see a movie in theaters more than once, anyways. Mm-hmm. I only did that to one movie this year. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen a movie three times in my entire life, or seen three movies in my entire life twice in theaters. Um, and all of those times, it was not because I wanted to see it twice. It was because like the people I were I was with were like, let's yeah. go see this movie. And I was like, uh, family friend okay. obligations. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One was, uh, yeah, I had, I, my friend wanted to see drive again. I was like, uh, I guess I'll go again. I watched it again. Whiplash. And then the curious case of Benjamin button. Those are the three movies I've seen. Very, twice in very interesting trio there. <laughs> not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. Benjamin button was like, not really not on purpose. I really didn't want to see it again, but like I was like with, I was young I was with a group of friends. I kind of had a yeah. crush on this girl. So I was like, oh, I'll go again. Well, hey, the things we do for young love. Right? Exactly. So anyways, so now as an adult, I really don't go see a movie twice in theaters just because I'm busy and uh, mm-hmm. seeing a movie twice in theaters when I can watch something new is, uh, it seems counterproductive. I'll watch it when it comes yeah. out, you know? But For sure. So for all the people who saw No Way Home like four times, five times, six times, I'm like, they really got you. Like they, they like they really capitalized mm-hmm. knowing there's gonna be people who see this five plus times and that's just the amount yeah. of money they'll make off that. It's crazy. So, anyways, is it without uh was it with flaws? Yes. You know, I, I don't like the use of all the, the villains. I still think that's like too much. There's there's just not enough or not enough. There's too much going on and not enough focus on just developing any type of relationship with any type of character where it's meaningful. Uh, instead, it just cops out into like, here's five villains. Let's watch them all duke it out rather than let's yeah. develop. Yeah, it's know, like here's here. people we've already developed and know. So just go watch that again. Yeah, and so that's like that does bother me. Yeah, again, I but I fell victim. I will admit, like I, I still yeah. had fun watching it. So and I'll be honest, show like I wish I fell victim because I don't like disliking any movies, especially MCU Spider Man stuff. Like you know, I grew up on this stuff. I was. 10 years old when I saw Iron Man in theaters, I saw all of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies in theaters. There's like some of the earliest memories that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it, it felt outside of Andrew Garfield, which is the one positive that I actually like about the film, which is 
they recognized that his films were subpar. And people are reclaiming those movies now. I'm sorry. There's nothing to reclaim there outside of what people already like, which is Andrew Garfield is really good as Spider-Man, and his chemistry with Gwen Stacy is great. That's really all I'll give you about those movies. And so Disney recognized that, or at least not Disney, the filmmakers did, and gave him an actual arc and like a purpose for achieving his goal and like going to where he ends up at the end of this movie, which is kind of validating his trauma, fighting through his grief, getting some redemption with saving MJ, even though that was maybe the most corny thing I've ever seen. But at the same time, I, I do like that it had a purpose of being there. Whereas yeah. Toby Toby was like, yo, Toby, um, your memes are popular. Here's $10 million to show up to work. And he's like, okay, bet. <laughs> like, he, he did not seem to want to be there at all um, as much as he likes to say, oh, I, this is for the fans. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I think that's what the core of the problem with this movie and a lot of movies, like I mentioned, is the for the fan mentality instead mm-hmm. of, Let's focus on creating something new and original and, you know, developing a character or, Definitely. or developing developing a story or plot. Let's just like let's do it for the fans because it just feels super exploitative, is that the how you say it? I don't I think know. So. Exploiting your your fans for, for money. It's like let's just default to making them happy rather than creating something new or mm-hmm. profound, which I get. You know, people will argue, I hate this argument, but people will say movies are just meant to entertain and please people, so who cares? Like, yeah. You can do a lot more than that. You can, and like, but you know, movies are art, film is art, and uh, I get that, that, that argument, but I would, I like to see new things being made, and especially with, you know, the MCU where, yeah, there's a lot of criticism about the MCU. It's formulaic. It's predictable. It just has the same thing over and over. And like you could probably say that about every one of those movies. And the ones that are really great are the ones that typically break those. Uh, those yeah, things. they find small formulas to break that makes the overall experience fresh while also staying true to the series core. Exactly. And this one is what I feel really doesn't break anything because no. Sp- uh, a Spider-Verse has already been done in a new and interesting way in Into the Spider-Verse. We've already seen Toby and Andrew. That's nothing new. And all the villains we've seen, we I mean, again, we've already seen them. So there's no real extra motivation. And their arcs in the other films are kind of ruined. Like, especially Doc Ock, who has a very tragic ending and is extremely powerful in spider-man 2 except now according to canon he doesn't die at the end because he gets sent back to his timeline and he's changed and so he's fine and just lives his life i mean and so that kind of just ruins the chronology and cohesion that raimi's trilogy had which i actually like all three films i think spider-man 3 is um, a little underrated it's certainly bloated but it has a lot of good stuff in it yeah and i I guess the last thing like that I'll say on this is on the fourth fan mentality. I think fan service as a concept is borderline. I mean, is not borderline. I, th- I just think it's dumb because you become a fan of something because it's something you haven't experienced before. You become a fan because like I watched Star Wars for the first time and it's simply Star Wars, like the original film. George Lucas didn't make that being like, okay, I got to make, I got to put all these things in the movie so that the fans like it. It's like, no, he was just making a movie and people became a fan of it. Same with Spider-Man, like the comics, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and all them are 
writing these comics, they're telling a story. They're not just like, all right, well, we got to have this and this issue. I mean, maybe eventually as you get like, you know, a thousand issues in, they'll throw a few bits and pieces here and there. But you become a fan of something because it's a new story and it resonated with you in some way. And so spending an entire movie just being like, hey, remember all the reasons why you became a fan of Spider-Man? Well, here's all that again. And it's just going to be that again. There's no new reasons to be a a fan of the Spider-Man character. And I liked how uh, Tom Holland's character had a totally different path than the other two Spider-Mans because it was simply something fresh. They had new messages for it. And so to kill off Aunt May after not having her only be like kind of like a sex joke with Tony and Happy, that's all she was. We never saw their relationship. It was such an empty moment. Like performance-wise, they were great, but it's like, why do I care? Because there's no reason to. It just, and then, you know, it just repeats all the formulas with same, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It repeats all of that we've already seen while the other two I enjoyed, not perfect movies, but the other two I enjoyed because I can watch it and still enjoy Spider-Man as a character, but also get a different story from each of the other films. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it just really, it just really bothered me because Disney has kind of proven that, you know, they've turned the act of recognizing something you've seen before into and into people equating that with good storytelling like yeah i guarantee you if the fantastic four marvel movie was announced and they're like we're bringing back ian ruffett jessica alba chris evans and the shield guy yeah yeah, michael chiklis everyone would be like oh my god that's so sick like you can say you wouldn't but like they've proven now that even if it's not liked, like with Andrew Garfield's movies, people will lose their mind over simply seeing something they've seen before, which exactly, kind of yeah. worries me about the future of blockbusters. Um, so that's my big rant on that. So hopefully it wasn't too long. No, or no, you have it's, you have every right to criticize anything, and I think Spider-Man: No Way Home, although a fan favorite and a lot of people love it, I don't think is exempt from being criticized and. Like we said, has flaws. Like I think, I think it has yeah. issues. You know, but my post on that movie had over a hundred and ten comments. Uh, I, I, I man, you're a brave soul for posting that. Like, yeah, I didn't even go into it on social media on my side. I was like, there's no reason to just get into so many fights with people who either not care what I say, not listen to what I say, or just be blinded by the yeah and it's you know it's just my opinion you know i'm not trying to change anybody's mind it's how i feel and if i'm not honest to myself about it then i mean what's the point of having the opinion yeah like you said no animosity to anybody who loved it i'm glad so many people had enjoyed that experience and we we won't even get into it's it's push for best picture that'll be a different story for a different podcast a different conversation for sure are you trying to trigger me joe i'm not trying to i promise you i'm not i promise you i'm not let's uh, uh it's all let's right. move from disappointing let's have a happier conversation yeah, let's talk about some good stuff again not the, maybe the best movies of the year for sure just movies that like i was i went i went in either really low expectations and was pleasantly surprised or you know just was better than i thought so these yeah. three movies that i'm going to talk about they all i thought i just had a really good time with them yeah uh i'm going to start us off Sure. With one movie that I, I really didn't expect to love so much, and that's going to be James Wan's Malignant. Oh, great pick. That's also so, my number three. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I love James Wan's horror. And some of it's oh, not the best. Um, Well, 
Dead Silence isn't that bad. I actually kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And love, love, love The Conjuring so much, so much. And Insidious 1 is, I think, really good too. I don't really like Aquaman, if I'm being completely honest. I mm-hmm. tried and I don't like it. And he did what, F6, 7? Which, which he did 7. He did the, the send-off for Paul Walker, which I actually think is probably the most effective yeah, I saw one I movie. don't dislike. Maybe five is better, but yeah. Fast five, I get them, they all blend in my brain. Yeah, talk about repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> Fast five, I remember just enjoying. I like Tokyo Drift a lot, if I'm being honest. And I think F, the one that James wanted is actually not bad, like you said. That being said, I just feel like I, I was nervous going into this, thinking like, oh man, James Wan has had like a really kind of roller coaster type path in the past couple of years like I yeah either like don't know how i'm gonna feel about this and man oh man i love this and this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier like is it camp or is it bad is someone just using excuse for yeah camp and i think this one is actually like intentionally camp 100 100 and he told us going in too and like if a filmmaker is telling us from the beginning what he's going for and you know i i don't think it's an excuse to call it camp Yes, yes. And I think I'm so glad you said that because I was going to mention it. Like he's made it clear before going into this movie, or at least I had read, now this is campy. This is an ode to like the 80s, the Jello. There's a lot of things being meshed into this movie. And like, yeah, if For you sure. think the, this movie is ridiculous or over the top or kind of silly at times, it's because he's that's what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I I just I really enjoyed this. I saw it in theaters and I the reveal of Gabriel like I I was <laughs> loved it. So loved it so much. I didn't it's expect great. it. No part of me was like trying to predict this movie at all. I and know. And it when it you hit like the camera just turned and Gabriel's like in her like just a part of her she rips open her scalp to reveal yes and crack open her skull for her (laughs) gabriel brain to stick out like come on like it this is just so fun (laughs) it was so fun and then she you know her whole body contorts backwards and she's like going on this (laughs) the whole final act by the way is just pure and like bliss i can't believe some people don't see the camp especially when like she goes into a prison cell it's all women and it's all tropes from the 70s and 80s. There's a person, like, wearing a disco outfit. Mm-hmm. There's a biker person wearing, like, leather with a mullet. And, like, this is taking place in modern times. But everyone's yeah. dressed, like, from the 90s to the 60s to the 70s and 80s. Like, <laughs> you know. And, like, I also like, too, unlike Last Night in Soho, which tries to kind of unironically use giallo tropes and color schemes and stuff like that without even without modernizing it james wan modernizes the giallo to to, uh, you know to the extremity of 2021 you know we've seen what the classic giallos look like and while i still prefer those i like how this one is just like cool yeah um we're just gonna crank that insanity dial to about (laughs) nine million and just continue to go and it's in your face it's constant and it is as advertised, I feel. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, the, the needle drops, the color palettes, just oh like all of it is just 
yeah, we like Jalo. Here's like a 2021 cranked up version of it. And exactly. Yeah. Because really in 2021, it. you have to have a version like that for it to really justify its existence. Because if you're just doing a pastiche, that's all it is. It's a pastiche. Like, what's the point? I'm so glad I watched this yesterday. <laughs> so, oh, I know. So... I, when I When I saw that you watched it, I was like, yes, I'm 100% talking about this now. Because <laughs> I just, I have been dying to talk about it with somebody. Yeah. Um, the ending, like I said, the final act with just the whole police officer or uh, the police <laughs> station scene is so. I know. It's, just, it's crazy. It's so dumb. Yeah, James and, like, Wan fun. said A cab. <laughs> yeah, he really did. And in the best possible way, it was so fun to watch. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Malignant and I just had a really good time with it. Uh, any other thoughts uh, on it before we move on? Not really. I mean, you hit on everything that I hit on, that I wanted to hit on. And, um, I totally agree with your take that the needle drop in this. Um, well, what's the name of the song? I'm out of my head. Where's my mind? Well, where's my mind? God. Yeah. Where's my mind is better in this than Fight Club. I'm sorry. <laughs> Malignant is one of the movies that really surprised me this year. Uh, apparently you as well. So what's another movie on your in your three that surprised you? Yeah. So um, that was my three. My number two most surprising film is actually going to be it's hard to choose, like I said, but I think old. M. Night Shyamalan's old. Oh, awesome. Wow, this is really exciting. I'm really excited to talk about old. Okay, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so um, M. Night Shyamalan, probably one of the most maligned filmmakers oh, in totally recent agree. memory. And a filmmaker that I malign myself. Um, but I think I, I've gone back and revisited some of his films. And I saw old, re, you know, this year or last year. And you know what? I, I just feel like. I don't get why people are hating. Like, I can see the hate for something like Lady in the Water, you know, or The Happening, even though... Avatar, it's really... Or Avatar, that's probably the most egregious one. There's really nothing redeeming about that. Yeah, I think Avatar is the low point. I think the lowest. For sure, But, like, I don't want to interrupt you, and you're probably going to go this direction, but I totally agree. Maligned to the point where it's like, I think we're forgetting what he's he's provided to. Yeah, he is telling original stories. He is aggressively creative with his world building sometimes to a fault i I, i'm willing to say that but as a thriller old is as good as they come as in 2021 because you don't get bottle thrillers anymore they used to get them a dime a dozen back in the day but now they just don't happen and i actually think the central conceit of this one is riveting like getting old on the beach like including cancer or including dementia like rapid onset of all these things is really fascinating and while i feel the ending is somewhat contrived i also like the ending of it being you know a system is faulty the the system is faulty and the only solution is to break the system i mean that he's commenting directly on modern times especially something in 2021 and you know i I really respect it. His shot creation is fantastic. It's unlike anything you would see in 2021. Um, the way he uses off-putting, like weird, stilted performances to create unease, I think works well. And I hate that I used to call these types of performances bad when it's intentionally made made to feel weird. So you're off, like something is off because these people don't act normal. And I get, I kind of get it now. Um, I don't think the movie is flawless. I think there's some stuff in there that I'm like, eh, whatever, it's fine. Like parts of it that are forgettable. But overall, I think it's just a really fun movie. And if I'm going to turn on like a 90-minute bottle thriller, you really can't get too much better than old this year. I feel like, well said on all fronts, by the way, 
I think that what M Night does so well is like really grab your attention and then like keep it throughout the entire runtime. Even if like you're not agreeing with it, or maybe you're not like you think it's kind of silly. Like I was heavily invested in old from minute one to the final credits. Like I was Mm -hmm. so into it, and like and sometimes that's all you kind of really want out of a movie. Like we talked about it before, they're there to entertain, and you I just you have to respect a filmmaker who's willing to always try to create some type of new experience or something original and try yeah. to say something. And, you know, we, we spent like 15 minutes talking about the fan service in the film world and how like people are just so willing to profit off our nostalgia. And M Knight's really not doing that. I mean, he made a trilogy that I guess you can argue with some type of fan service, but there was, there's something new he was creating. Yeah. Only the third film even acknowledge that it was a sequel because like the second one you don't know in any of the advertising or even and you're watching until you get to literally like the twist of the movie is that it's a sequel which is why i think it's one of the better twists in the past like 20 years i will say one of the best like moments in the theater i've ever had in my entire life was the ending of split and seeing uh frank frank dunn is his name i can't remember yeah Yeah, frank dunn at the end of the credits and hearing the unbreakable score Oh, dude, I I lost it. I lost it. I like I text everybody. It was I so knew. funny because I was in with a huge group of friends, like eight people, and the uh-huh. theater was packed. Like that movie was a hit. Yeah, and it was. It was great. It was I liked packed it a lot. out, and it gets to the final, and the music starts, and Bruce will like when as soon as the needle drop hit, I was like, oh my god! Like I was freaking out. <laughs> Literally, no one in the theater was freaking yes. out because it was all yeah. like young kids. You know, I yeah. was I was in college at the time, and so like everyone was like freaking out, or I was only freaking out. And everyone's kind of like looking around, like, is this supposed? To, why is Bruce Willis in this? Yeah, that's why it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I feel like when I was in theater, I was with a couple friends who who knew, so we were all excited i think i was the most excited but there was only a couple people in the theater who like understood what's going on mm-hmm. but like you said it was you know, younger a lot of younger generation so they didn't, weren't aware of unbreakable Definitely. but oh i i lost it it's like one of my favorite memories in the theater is just like i was more excited for this twist than i was for no way home and i, I by <laughs> far well you know everybody far. knew what was going to happen in no way home even though they wouldn't tell you <laughs> yeah it, i did not expect it just blown my socks off Anyways, the point is, Shyamalan, I, I respect, respect the Shyamalan so much. So much. I adore Signs, adore it. I think it, I legitimately think it's just a, ah, Masterpiece seems dramatic, but I, I think it's really, really great. Sixth Sense is obviously iconic, a staple, mm-hmm. uh, important for so many reasons. And yeah. Unbreakable is um, my favorite along with Signs. Oh, yeah. love Unbreakable. I really like Split. I think you really have to respect somebody who's always willing to create something original and while old has its flaws and there are some things i don't like about it and like you said yeah the twist feels contrived but there are some you know greater messages there that i think he does a good job at creating and getting delivered Yeah, i'm not i'm not trying to call it a masterpiece um, yeah but i just think it has a lot of merit and i really just really enjoyed myself with it oh yeah totally enjoyed it my fiance and i walked out saying like that was a lot of fun we had a fun time watching that and yeah i just you know the only thing i would say is maybe don't put yourself in all your movies like look i love you as a guy yeah. I love you as a filmmaker <laughs> i don't know if you need to throw yourself yeah, again there's definitely some flaws with it <laughs> yeah he just can't help himself with some things i know and that's that's fine it just feels like every movie his role gets bigger and bigger and bigger like 
it's just funny to me. But anyways, I, I, I will always be lining up for a Shyamalan movie. I, his next movie has a Dave Bautista's, I think, the lead role in it. So I'm like, I'm down. Yeah, give me that. I'm ready. Yeah. So love that you chose old. What's your, okay. what's your next pick? Are you ready for this? I think I think you're I think you're gonna be excited about this. Let's talk about the Matrix Resurrections. Okay, I don't want to say I went in this thinking this is gonna be bad. I just really had to quell my expectations. I had to like keep it cool because, yeah, I love the first one is perfect. I think it's perfect. I don't think there's a, a flaw to it. Totally agree. And I rewatched the second and third one, and I had a lot of fun watching the second one, like way Dude, more than I thought I was same. going to. And you know, the third one has issues, but I was actually pretty invested into it a lot more than I, again, anticipated that I was going to be. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but I, I do. I enjoyed it. Like, I was like, oh, this is pretty fun to watch. So going to Resurrections is interesting because we talked a lot about fan service and the use of nostalgia. I know. And like, it almost seems like hypocritical of me to say i like this movie. Well, I don't think so. I'll get to that one. Yeah. And, and I, I think I will, too. Like, I. I don't think I think there's more to this than meets the eye in the sense that mm-hmm. like I think it's actually a larger message on legacy sequels and maybe it's pointlessness of it all. And I think there's a lot of like actual critique on like those types of movies and using Definitely. our nostalgia. Again, a movie I don't think is is perfect, and I think that you actually might like more than I did, but like I thought there was a lot going on here that worked. I liked Jonathan Groff a lot. I thought he was great. Fantastic. Um, I thought he, the, he was so good. <laughs> I thought he was great in it, like really good. And I just thought like the story where it took the story was actually interesting. Like I was heavily invested in everything. I thought there was a great amount of nostalgia to keep me as a hardcore fan pleased, but mm-hmm. also more new stuff, new stories, new characters, new themes and ideas that really kept me engaged. That That's why I was there. And I think that's ultimately why... I enjoyed this more than I thought. And it's crazy to me the amount of people who like hate this movie. Uh, it yeah. does feel like The Last Jedi of 2021 because really I feel does. like give this movie five, seven years and like you'll see like an article come out like on. Well, well you're deadline. seeing it with the original Matrix sequels right now. Everyone's reclaiming those, including myself. As a kid, I, I did not get it. I did not yeah. get what they were going for. I didn't like them. And I rewatched them before seeing the fourth one. I was like, okay, so like these are like some of the best blockbusters of all time like what like how did i I miss this i really enjoyed them so i think that in five to seven years give it time like we'll just see like people like oh matrix resurrections a movie that we thought was bad but it's actually like amazing and then Mm -hmm. i'll just like say fuck everybody because i was saying this nate and i were saying this from the beginning this movie's not that as bad as you're saying it is let me hear your resurrection thoughts yeah well joe this is my number one oh amazing this is perfect we did not plan this everyone like (laughs) no we we did not not give each other our list it's actually it's actually kind of funny and it shows you that we do have similar tastes with a lot of things i expected good things out of this because i had gone on a wachowski deep dive before revisiting before seeing this um the trailer amped me up and i was like you know what you know what i love the matrix and you know what i like speed racer a lot i think that's actually an out and out masterpiece let me revisit a lot of the wachowski stuff and i revisited the matrix sequels and i was like i'm an idiot for thinking these are bad and then i watched bound their original debut and was blown away by that and so i you know i was excited for this and i genuinely was blown away by what I saw. You commented on the nostalgia part, which I agree there is a lot of it here, but I think the 
core moment to key in on on how, how this film feels about mis- nostalgia is when Jonathan Groff, Mr. Anderson, is talking to Neo, who is a video game designer in this film, who has designed video games of the first three Matrix films, which is it just throws you right into it. And you're like, wait, these were video games the whole time, which isn't <laughs> true. But what he's saying is like, look, Warner Brothers is moving forward. He literally says this. Warner Brothers is moving forward with the Matrix sequel, whether or not we're involved. And so I say we should just get on board that way. You know, like like we're going back to the Matrix. That should be exciting. And in the trailer, it's played as a hype moment. Like, oh, let's go back to the Matrix. In the movie, it's really somber. And it's kind of like, wow, they're going to touch like Lana Wachowski's like, they're going to touch my baby with or without me. So I guess I might as well join up. Because the only thing that gets greenlit these days are sequels and nostalgia like reboots. Exactly, exactly. And so this the Matrix Resurrections is like an artist reminiscing, reckoning with, reconstructing her creation in real time. Nostalgia in this film is a poison. Like it is unwelcome. It feels weird. The opening scene of the movie is shot for shot, the original opening of the first Matrix, except with completely different actors, and it's shot digitally and with lacking the green palette and you're like watching like why does this film look so much different and it's like that's the whole point it feels worse than the original in for lack of a better term because it's not and the film is literally trying to tell you nothing can be that you need to let it go move on to something your mind free your mind literally back to the core thing free your mind and so i just i love that it's it's so tongue-in-cheek about nostalgia while also having a core story which is back to the basics for the matrix which is everybody really just overthought the whole series and while there's a lot there to chew on it's a love story between trinity and neo and that's what they that's what lana because i keep saying nay because i'm used to saying the wachowski sisters but it's just lana this time yeah that's what lana keys in on with this uh sequel here and to me it's the red pill to no way home's blue pill Wow. It, wow, it well said. really just worked on me. And it's like, it's clearly made for no one but the creator herself. She's like, this is what I'm doing. If you don't like yeah. it, I actually don't care. And I respect the hell out of that. But if you decide to jump down the rabbit hole, you'll want to see just how deep it goes. Because I, I couldn't get enough of it, honestly. I think the use of characters like Yaya Abdul-Mateen and Jonathan Groff, people who are kind of portraying characters that we... Are, have already seen in the original, you know, Morpheus yeah. and Agent Smith. Agent Smith. It's just like a further deja vu feeling of like, we're messing with you in a sense. Like your, your nostalgia wants you to see these old characters, but I'm not going to give you that because mm-hmm. this is like, this is my further commentary on nostalgia where it's like, yep. it's, it's, we're not going to give you all you want. Neo and Trinity never use a gun the whole film. Yeah, they never use like, a gun. That's and intentional. I, and I've seen a lot of people comment like, oh, Neo just uses his force field the entire time. He's not like doing his kung fu. I'm like, I don't know if like, I, I get if you went into this movie with the expectation that we were going to get like a Matrix 1-esque type of Neo and rehash. A Force Awakens. A Force, exactly. Like people expected a Force Awakens and we got a Last Jedi where they, yeah, they had some nostalgia in it. But I feel like the nostalgia even serves a greater purpose in furthering that commentary all the cuts to the old movies all like the references it's just it's not only plot wise effective and has a point but is also furthering that commentary on our incessant need for nostalgia lana proved everybody right that like if you didn't like this because it wasn't like the first it's exactly 
That's exactly the problem is you. (laughs) Yeah, we're just so like we just need nostalgia in our life to be satisfied for that quick like serotonin high. And Mm -hmm. when we didn't get it, guess what? Everybody didn't like it. That's the point she's like she's making. And like we we need to like take a step back and look at ourselves like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just a fiend for nostalgia and not really craving anything new. Yeah. There's just so much going on. And I feel like, man, I can't wait for five to seven years for this renaissance to happen because I know it's going to happen. And I'll day one, we're here. It. Just like Last exactly. Jedi, I was day one. <laughs> oh, I'll admit I wasn't day one on Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have come around the bend and I'm like now a very, there's some things I still don't like, but I, mm-hmm. there's, um, I think overall, I, I really enjoyed what they've, they've done with Last Jedi. For sure. Jedi, so. Yeah, and Woo. for me, it it's it's a lot to take in, and it's one that I'm honestly I, just talking about. It makes me want to revisit it again. Yeah, I had, man, I had so much fun. I hope a lot of people who are listening who are like didn't like this movie take a second to just maybe digest what we said. I'm not saying anything that we said is like overtly profound and made. It's not biblical. Mind. Don't worry. Like it, we're not what we're saying is not Bible, but this exactly, is, exactly. Yeah. But just give it a give it a thought. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. I think there's more to it than a lot of people give it credit. So, all right. Uh, well, we've gone two for two on surprises. Uh, I'll say my last one for biggest surprise of the year. A movie that, like, I don't know if I went in with expectation. I just had zero expectation. And it's a movie that I just have been thinking about a lot. And we discussed it earlier, and that's Maggie Gyllenhaal's Lost Daughter. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, not a movie that, like, I was like hyping up all year or like I was look not I was like not looking forward to it. It was just I heard about it and I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And then I watched it and I, I feel like I really haven't stopped thinking about it since I've watched mm-hmm. it. And I don't know I I'm, well, I know why. It, you know, performance wise, everybody's just A plus. I mean, we have Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley and Dakota Johnson, all phenomenal actresses that have really already already proven themselves, so not really too surprising there but we we touched on it earlier and it's the the central themes that they're tackling of motherhood and parenthood that just it's it's a much darker and um i I guess i don't want to say negative but like just a take that we don't see very often and i feel like it was honest and a, a truth that is hard for people to swallow sometimes that some people uh, aren't cut out to be mothers or parents and or they just don't want to be or they regret you know yeah, or they children. can't be all the time exactly and i think that's a hard message for some people to really accept sometimes you know there's a lot there's always a lot of uh films and anything really that shows motherhood it's always like it's hard but it's always worth it and i love my children and of course there are people out there who obviously feel that way but i think that there's not a lot out there that shows us there are people who don't feel that way and mm-hmm. you know and this movie highlights that and i think for some people that's a message they don't like to see and they get turned off by this movie um a lot of criticism i've seen uh the Rotten tomato score by the way like it's like 93 percent critics like 40 percent audience it's mm-hmm. huge the the difference and a lot of the complaints are nothing happens it's slow it's just it's boring and like whatever <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's an argument you can make. I mean, it's, I'm not sure if that's a valid argument, but I, I really, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this. And like, it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot. I'm curious to know how you feel. Yeah, um, I love this film. Um, it's one of my favorites of the year for sure. 
Um, I don't want to say I was necessarily surprised because I couldn't see it until it came out to Netflix and I had kind of consumed a lot of literature on it. Uh, oh, okay. Both in podcast and written form. So, I mean, I didn't know like spoilers necessarily, um, but I was excited for it based on what everyone was saying. But yeah, it uh, it, it was excellent. Um, like you said, just kind of talking about how not everyone's cut out to be a mother, but then also, even if you are cut out to be a mother, sometimes you're not cut out all the time. You know, exactly. like kids are exhausting. Kids can drive you up the wall and it's scary to have that responsibility. You feel like your life is out of your hands now. Yeah. And some people can handle that and some people cannot. And it's a film that really takes an unbiased look um, at it and kind of just lets the women in the film be women. Um, obviously, that speaks to the core text and uh, also the director of the film, you know, being women. And so, you know, that is huge. It's not something you see often and is <laughs> furthers my love-hate relationship with Netflix because they continue granting uh, amazing opportunities to filmmakers to make their vision and then continue and then also give us uh, <laughs> He's All That, Kissing Booth 3, and a Red Notice. <laughs> oh, geez. But, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, uh, this and Power of the Dogs and Campions, um, I really loved both of those. I think I prefer Last Same. Daughter a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, every, and on a performance level, everybody is just out of this world excellent in terms of being, like, their subtlety, just, like, screaming volumes at all times. I really liked it. Uh, I think it's an important message to know that, you know, I'm sure all of our parents had days where they're like, why did I do this? And they would never tell you. And that's okay because there is a guilt there, but there also shouldn't be as much of a stigma. It's like, it is hard as hell to be a parent. And I, I feel like this works so well, really not, not mainly, but this does help just because we have a female director behind it. The fact that Maggie Gyllenhaal is the one behind this and who, by the way, this is a debut by her, which we haven't mentioned. Pretty astounding me, that it's a debut. Oh, yeah. Gets me so excited for what kind of career she could have as a as a filmmaker. I think she's a great actress as well. But um, as a director, this is a, a really great debut. And I'm just like, make more. Like, keep going. I'm Maybe, ready to see whatever she does. Kind of like with here. Olivia Wilde with Booksmart. I'm like, I'm on board until there's something, like, horrendous. But even then, I'll probably forever stay on board just because... You, she clearly has something that the intangibleness, you know, of what makes an amazing filmmaker, and it's all on display with this one. I just think it's it, it was great to have a woman direct a movie about motherhood. I don't know if it would have worked as well if it would be coming from a male filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, it, it just shouldn't have been made. Yeah, it shouldn't have been made if it was coming from a guy uh, on I motherhood. Now, fatherhood, you know. That yeah, sense. different story. <laughs> yeah, different story. But the fact that we have a woman making a movie about motherhood just works. Again, a movie that I just walked, I walked in, not walked in, sat on the couch and had zero expectations, knew nothing about it, mm-hmm. had read nothing, had heard nothing. I just saw that she was nominated for a Golden Globe. So I was like, oh, okay, so she must have done something right. And um, I was like, whoa, yeah, she's really, <laughs> really blown away by it. So love yeah. the lost daughter. What's uh, what's your Last one for biggest surprise of 2020. Well, Matrix was my number one. Oh, 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 yeah. Perfect. So what's what's the one we haven't talked about? Um, no, we talked about all of them. Oh. Because it, it was Malignant was our same. We shared the three. Yeah. And then my second was Old. And my oh, first was Matrix. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, well, fun fun fact um, or something you may not know. We actually didn't talk about my third disappointment. 
we got so oh. caught up with No Way Home that I was like, oh, oh crap. I must we have didn't... talked about it already. We didn't. Oh, no. So we're actually ending the episode on a, I guess, a sadder note or disappointing Let's note. Let's go. But Hater mode activate. We... <laughs> exactly. We actually, you talked about it for a second. And this is going to be a movie that I just really was frustrated with. And that's House of Gucci. Oh. oh. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's just my own fault for going in with maybe different expectations or Fair. just not what I expected it to be. But boy, I was left just like really frustrated <laughs> and just not in the best of moods after I left. I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't think I liked it. And I don't know. I don't know how I felt. Joe, I, I know. How could you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Kill me. Um, I loved Lady Gaga. And I loved Adam Driver. I thought they two were great. Al Pacino I thought was pretty good too. Jared Leto I thought was maybe he was thought he was in a different movie or he's just so out of this left field, out of this world. He was the best part of the movie, Joe. <laughs> I I don't know if I could agree with that. Um, it was very long, and I just I couldn't get around to really loving it. I think I just expected something else. But now that I think about it more, I'm like, should I have had high expectations? I, I don't know. Like I, Ridley Scott is so polarizing nowadays, and he's not I'm doing kidding. a very good. He's not doing a very good job, uh, like media wise, press wise, just making himself look good. He just kind of puts. He's his eighty, in his mouth. so I don't think he gives shit. <laughs> he definitely. Oh, he. And you can tell he definitely doesn't care anymore. He just says whatever he wants to say, and if it pisses people off, he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. House of Gucci's movie. I just, I, I, I wanted to love, and I was excited for, and I just couldn't, couldn't really love it. Um, what are your thoughts on House of Gucci? I think uh, House of Gucci soars like a pigeon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I absolutely loved it. To me, it's like eating at an Olive Garden in the middle of Italy. It's oh boy, that's such, a really good analogy. It's like, like you that. know what? There's beauty all around me, and it's set in this beauty beautiful place constantly beautiful clothes music everything and i'm eating olive garden but you know what <laughs> i like the taste of olive garden it tastes pretty good wow and i love that i kind of miss the days when just a gonzo go for it drama comedy whatever this is would cross would crush at the box office now it actually did pretty good um yeah it, it kind of yeah it kept staying like in theaters and kept doing well because it pretty it was called a bomb when it released just because it didn't make a lot on opening weekend but it definitely had a lot of continual uh success and you know i i saw this as a fully self-aware movie now you know what you don't i'm not blaming anyone who doesn't see it that way because um my wife did not like it my sister loved it i saw it with both of them (laughs) so that was made for fun conversation um and it's really just nothing but like prestige cheese and it's like bro cheese tastes great i love cheese and also adam driver wears really tight fitting turtleneck sweaters the entire time and it's just i just i eat that up i I can't deny it i'm i'm a man of simple pleasures i like adam driver looking sexy in a movie and jared leto doing stupid insane stuff Okay, I mean, but no, fair. I totally I mean, get it. Yeah, I I like this one though. So <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair. Yeah, like it's a movie that I just I found I found myself really wanting. Well, it's weird. I didn't want more in terms of runtime. I, I wanted less runtime. <laughs> it is long. I will give you uh, that. <laughs> it's I long. Just, I wanted more. I don't know what I wanted more of exactly. Just it just felt 
frustrating and awkward and it was at times just not what I wanted. That's all. So right. that's all movie good. That I, I I wanted to love more, and that's really what it boils down to. It doesn't seem like it's getting too much award attention. It's I mean, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is, will get nominated for sure. Yeah, she'll get nominated. That. And that's fine. I, easily, I think she was her and Driver were the best part. So I'm fine with that. I, I hope that she continues to show up in a movie like once every three to four years, and then just go for it, balls to yeah. the wall. Like she holds nothing back in this. And like her accent, despite being of Italian descent, is uh, bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's not <laughs> uh, good. But at the same time, like everybody's Italian accent is bad. And so, I mean, Jared Leto is essentially Mario. Um, yeah. And it's I, so weird. I freaking love it. I love it because <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. And everyone who was in the theater was dying laughing now, whether they were yeah. laughing out of legitimate enjoyment or just like, holy crap, I paid money for this. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But uh, when he, his final scene in the film, literally looking at Adam Driver and going, uh, boof, and just walking out, I was like, yeah, give this man the Oscar right now. <laughs> <laughs> just give it yeah. to him. I need it. <laughs> it was, I guess it's a love hate thing, but I, I didn't like hate it. It was funny. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it was, it was funny. Yeah, to see, watch. I could totally be just talking out of my ass here. Um, <laughs> but I, I totally, I enjoyed it. I can't, I can't That's deny fine. myself That's that. Fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, like I said, not the worst movie of the year. Just a movie I was just hoping to love more. That's yeah. All. People are going to look at this and be like, okay, so he didn't like No Way Home or Last Night in Soho, but then he liked House of House Gucci, of Gucci. <laughs> and The Matrix Resurrections and Malignant. Okay. Yeah. All Un- over unfollow. the place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we give good explanations for everything. and That's what matters. Um, well, we have now discussed our three surprising movies of 2021 or three most disappointing 2021 movies let's look to the future uh final question before we end the the episode what are some of the movies you're looking forward to in 2022 that you hope are neither disappointing uh but maybe surprising just movies that you just are amped for well i'm only going to go off the dome because i think it speaks to my excitement for them good um koganada's Koganada's next film, which I'm actually blanking on the name of. I just know he has one coming out with Haley Lou Richardson again and Colin uh, Colin Farrell. Oh, but after Yang. It's called After Yang. Okay, um, okay. Extremely excited for that. Koganada's Columbus is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, I think it's maybe the best film of 2017. Now, that's hard to decide because so many good films came out that year. But um, I've been excited for that now for two years because it was supposed to come out last year. Um, that did not happen. And the next one I'm excited for, uh, guys, I'm, I'm okay with cape shit. Okay. You know, I don't mind it. I'm very excited for the Batman. Yeah. Daddy Pattinson is going to serve up the best Batman of all time. Although, oh, I'm so ready for it. My body. I I can't even describe everything looks incredible. They just drop a trailer with no anticipation and then leave. And it's like, cool. I, I, I will give you my money. Like every time the trailer plays in theaters, I, 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 and that Nirvana song hits. Oh, it's good. It's real good. Yeah, I mean Pattinson. God, I love that man. Like he's inc- yeah. he's incredible. I just incredible. I want him in everything, and he's so perfect for Batman. I'm so glad it doesn't even look like an action. Like there's obviously action in it, but focusing on the detective nature. Like I'm so excited for a new take on that. Um, and also, just Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman looks like the best casting since you could possibly have other than michelle yeah. pfeiffer it's, it's um, incredible how perfect oh my cast gosh and then we haven't even seen paul dano as riddler because they're yeah. hiding him and that's totally fine with me i already know paul dano is gonna kill it um so there's that then there's david fincher's the killer 
Yep. Coming out for Netflix. Doesn't have a release date, but my guess is probably December time. I would I would think so, yeah. Fastbender and David Fincher making a serial killer movie? Yep. Um, down for it that's kind of all i need to know for me to be excited out of my mind for that and then the last one is a movie that i have been anticipating for three years um i keep getting excited for it uh it's top gun maverick oh god i just want to see the movie like i just want to see tom cruise fly in jets and stuff like that and like you know it's this is nostalgia, but it looks like they're actually doing a new story with it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they're pushing filmmaking techniques forward. So this is where like I'm okay with using nostalgia if you're going to do something creative with it, which is like filming all, all the actors actually flying in the jets like while filming these scenes, strapping IMAX cameras to these fighters is kind of just incredible and speaks to Tom Cruise's insanity that he's making everybody involved almost kill themselves with him. That's exactly why I'm excited for it as well. Like, yes, nostalgia, of course, is a little bit of that. But the pushing of filmmaking techniques, like the fact that they're tr- using real jets, it, it's insane. It looks insanity. so practical that, I love oh, it. my God, it's going to be so fun to see on IMAX. I'm excited for that one as well. Good choices. Good choices. There's yeah. a lot coming out this year, hopefully. In 2022, yep. there's a lot to be excited for. For sure. Um, those are all great ones. I think if I were to pick one or two, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope is yeah, that's, up there. Yeah, that's on my list as well, if I were to keep going. No idea what it's about, and I want to keep it that way, but yep. Stephen Yoon and Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer is enough for me to just, and Peele's name is enough for me to just line up and buy tickets yeah. for it. Us is really great, and Get Out's one of the best films ever made. So Yeah, I, mean. I love them both a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, Peel's obviously talented. You know what? I'm not excited, but I'm so curious to watch the Super Mario movie. Like, I, I just, every <laughs> part of me just, like, doesn't want to watch it, but I'm also like... This is your what? house of Gucci, Joe. <laughs> this is this is my house of Gucci. I just want to see how bad or good it is. Um, like, it's, Mario. it's a me, guys, Mario. <laughs> I'm just, Pratt. like, dying to hear it. Dying. But, like, also, Jack Black as Bowser's is awesome. And there's some really cool choices here, but also questionable ones. It's just uh, like pure I think curiosity. we're heading to an emoji movie level scenario. I, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, this year's gonna be crazy. I mean, The Northman's coming out, which there's a lot to be excited oh, for. The Northman. Don't even get me started. Don't worry, darling. Will eventually come yes, out. Yes, Olivia Wilde, which... Harry Styles, and Florence Pugh. Sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. Allegedly, Ari Aster will have a movie coming out this year. Um, with Joaquin Phoenix, who Joaquin looks like Phoenix. he's dying in all the set photos. So it's probably going to be good and just as depraved as normal. A lot to be excited for. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for those. And then Scorsese, man. Oh, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. Absolutely. I'm excited for that as well. I, I, I'm i a huge Jesse Plemons fan. I, I feel like he's just, just great. Love him in almost anything he does. Um, oh, my so God. He's really so good excited. in Power of the Dog. He's so good in Power of the Dog. You know what movie he's really good in, Nate? Game really Night. In Game Night. He's yes, so, sir. He's so good in Game Night. It's insane how good he is. He's the best part about Game Night. He should have won an Oscar him. for that, and I don't say that with any irony at all. Like It's <laughs> actually one of the best heat check supporting performances yes. of all time. Yes. He comes into the movie, and oh, it man. seems to me like um, – this is my last tangent uh, but he comes into game night and it's like every actor kind of assumed he'd be like ah, whatever and he's so good that they look bewildered at every yes. turn and i yes. honestly don't think they're acting i legitimately think they're serious because they're like i thought this was just like a stupid game movie and then 
like a game night movie and then you know for a paycheck whatever and then he shows up to set and you delivers oh my god i was like is he is he like holding people in his basement off set like he is so crazy and off the chain and then when he turns his character on a dime it actually fits yes and oh my god it's so good i love i love game night and he is clemens supremacy man yeah i'm a clemens guy so very excited for kill the flower moon a lot of movies coming out a lot to talk about so i'm excited that we talked about all those Uh, i'm sure you'll you'll be back in the future to talk about some of these so we have officially reached the end here, Nate. Um, again, thank you for being here and discussing all of these either disappointing or great <laughs> movies. Um, remind people where we can find you. Yeah, um, on Letterboxd, you can find me at Nate Spencer. Recently started a full-time job, which I'm excited about, but means I don't post as much on Instagram, which is still at all things reviewed. Um, I got some stuff going on now for sure. There's definitely content that's going to keep coming, but... Um, just don't have as much time and so if you want to keep up with everything i'm watching all the time and brief thoughts you can follow me on letterboxd perfect Um, perfect. yeah and if you have any you know if you're angry at me about no way home you can direct that to at uh joe (laughs) on instagram his instagram handle at joe ergon 23 yeah yeah just dm him um yeah, yeah, and I'll he'll, he'll get back to me about slowly. it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll forward <laughs> him to Nate eventually. Um, yes, I'll link all of Nate's socials in the link and description of the bio. Uh, Nate will likely be back soon. Award season's on its way. We'll have a lot of award season discussions. So, oh, man, I'm excited Nate, to talk about that. Yeah, you will be back uh, to talk about all of that. But, uh, again, thanks for talking to me about uh, 2021. And um, Always a next pleasure, week, Joe. Not sure what I'm talking about next week, we're with who, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Thank you, everybody listening, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Mm